Second. Honey, honey, there's a hot topic. Oh, God damn it. Pull, pull the fucking car over. I gotta buy some fucking drip pants. <laughs> Delicious. It's the inside joke. Nobody knows. We're always laughing at the start of the show. And uh, you have to ask, what are they laughing about? What are they laughing about? Nobody Welcome knows. back to the March and Mitch show starring Celine Santa's Pond. We're right back at it again today with your favorite podcast right here in Salem, Kaiser. It was a beautiful fucking day out today. The sun was shining and all I could think of was, man, it's a great day to hop in my car and go to the store to get more beer. (laughs) (laughs) Beer, the greatest anti-anxiety medication ever created. You know, it's really crazy. I remember back in the day that, you know, if you showed up to a convenience store and wearing masks and sunglasses, you probably think the shit was going to get robbed. But nowadays, if we're just wearing masks to go into the store, it's actually because we care about social distancing and protecting people in our community. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool, I guess. <laughs> Man, they, yeah, they used to frown on people wearing masks into banks. And now they really fucking frown on not wearing your mask into the bank. Make up your mind already. I know. It's funny how the world's upside down right now. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired. Now. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. This week on the show, we're going to be talking to you about my very own uh, first ever album review. I know on the show, we've done the music segment every fucking time, talked about new artists, year-end wrap-up lists, but today we're going to do my first ever uh, album feature. We're going to talk about records that I like, that I want to talk about because it's music that I enjoy, as well as you know music that's enjoyed by me and my cohorts here on the show, Selena Mitchell. So without further ado, today on the show, we're going to talk to you about one of our favorite artists, Garden, the artist known as Nicholas Kerr from Hornell, New York. And the album is called So That's It, Huh? That's it, huh? So That's It, Huh? That's it, huh? I just, I like the way you, Celine, just said it. (laughs) So That's It, Huh? (laughs) Uh, Makes you want to like, makes you kind of want more. Well, if you ever that's heard, it. I was say, if you ever heard that phrase in context of sexual relations, I apologize on behalf. <laughs> of all of it. I apologize for you and your partner. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Robin it Williams, to the best of us. Robin Williams said it best. It's not your fault. <laughs> Thanks, Robin Williams. <laughs> the album is called "So That's It," huh? By our performing artist Garden, who's one of my favorite artists to come out in the last couple of years. Uh, diverging from the initial like sad sad rap movement that got started towards the end of 2016, then really took off in 2017 with the likes of Lil Peep and Goth Boy Click. Garden's music to me is very reminiscent of sad rap, sad trap, emo rap, hip hop, cloud rap. Hmm. Getting a big start on SoundCloud initially. He also happened to post on Celine's favorite website, 4chan. (laughs) Uh, You know how I be. And to his astonishment, it actually helped him get his uh, name out there. And lots of artists started listening to his music. Uh, In 2017, he had his single Demons in My Orbit, which fucking blew up. And then, you know, by that time, everyone knew who Garden was. He's a collaborator of Convoke. He's a collaborator of Gucci Highwaters collaborator of many many artists in the scene we're a big advocator of the sad rap and indie rock and emotional rock music scene here on the march and mitch show and it's always entertaining to talk about new artists the album was released on december 31st of this past year on photo finish records gardens an affiliate of acid castle which is kind of like 
I don't want to say it's like a click, like off boy click, but it's more of like just like an artist. It's not a click, it's a club. It's like a club almost. Yeah, he's got artists like Hateful and Young Van on that. Uh, this album was kind of caught me off guard. I was expecting something similar to Creature Part 1 and Creature Part 2, but instead this record kind of like gets experimental, mm. kind of puts him in different zones and territories. My favorite songs on the album are Make It Out, Willow Avenue, Hope Again, and The Close Your Output. Uh, all the singles on the album are were really, really good. They're a bit different. Uh, Garden actually has a track called... Uh, Oh, I think I've heard of that. Yeah. (laughs) That one. Oh, MFG. It won't play it on the radio because it's uh, because the title, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, that's why you haven't heard it yet. You might have heard the alternate uh, radio version. (laughs) uh, Fork my uh, arse, which, you know, is... uh, it's not super creative, but you know. It's, it's also pre- conveniently abbreviated to FMA for Full Metal Alchemist, which is one of Garden's favorite shows. Uh, I actually watched Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood lately, uh, recently, and it was very, very entertaining. I like that they cut they cut the filler out. Yeah, you get to see the story with the Elric brothers. One of my favorite messages from the anime is you know the whole like meaning of like equivalent exchange and like you only get in what you put out. Yeah, uh, Garden's music's really inspiring to me because that kind of that kind of concept really just was relatable. I just kind of felt like if you want to be good at something, you got to put a lot in before you start getting results. You know, it's like my dad used to say, you're going to put in half-ass effort. You're going to get fucking half-ass results. You know what I mean? So nowadays I try to full-ass everything, just like Deadpool. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a couple of people out there who are successful that always say it. there's the 10,000 hour rule. Um, and that's like when you can actually start your journey, like 10,000 hours in anything is when you can officially like begin your journey like but it requires like the prerequisite for it to be good at anything is 10,000 hours so i'm just about ready to start my stardew valley journey (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah there you go and the song i was talking about it's actually not called fuck my ass but it's called kind of sorta and it was actually the first time i heard that beat before uh shout out to uh, a different producer that we know it's actually our friend in uh, marion county local is uh, uh zodiac the zodiac yeah and uh, i actually had uh, heard a similar playlist of like beats and stuff just to kind of like you know didn't reproduce or post any of them obviously because it wasn't my intellectual property but the boop 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 is a really whimsical beat i'm like holy shit this is one of zodi's beats so he actually had wait is it know, really yeah yeah so it's actually oh, one cool. of zodi's beats and i was like and it was and garden used it so i guess you know whether or not he was the producer or had like creative rights uh it was probably sold and bought by garden at some point and I was like, oh, that's fucking crazy. So shout out to Zodi if you're listening, dude. Fucking keep killing it. That homie. is really cool. The album- I know that guy. I, was like, I don't know. I don't know the facts on this, but I trust Alex. <laughs> I trust Alex enough to, to bring us at least uh, legitimate information. But I uh, have it on Google Drive. I'll play it later for you. I, I know which I know what you're talking about, but I, do, I mean, is it similar or is it the same? Pretty sure it's spot on. It's okay. the same whimsical like synth hook. I believe, um, I believe it. I just like, I'm surprised. I feel like Cody would have told me about that. Though. You know what? No, I'm not. Cody would not tell me about that. He would literally just sell the rights to the song and be like, meh. The least, the leasing of beats is really strange. Like if yeah. you ever go on like track train and you download beats, there's always like a leasing agreement. Like if, okay, cool. If you want the wave format or the MP3 format, you got to do this. And if you release the song, you got to contact the, you know, initial artist and kind of work things out. So yeah, I'm enough. sure, I'm sure in, in the whole cesspool that is like, you know, 
cloud rap. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure someone had rights to that beat. Um, Garden chose to deviate from the sad rap formula that he's normally famous for, and he's kind of venturing into more unique territory by adding just like a good amount of ambience, unique soundscapes, and experimentation. Um, he's becoming Pink Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And I'm really happy you mentioned that because in one of his songs, he mentions like comfortably, uncomfortably numb yes, or comfortably numb. Good and, for him. And it was actually like a really cool moment to see, you know, rock history communicated through, you know, Garden's talents. Mm-hmm. Um, when you listen to an artist like Garden, this is Nicholas Kerr. He's a really cool kid. I'll never forget the first time I saw him was actually at a, a version three show and he was playing with a, a bunch of artists and like it was really crazy and like he was just hanging out in the crowd just getting a drink and like you know he had black hair at the time and like we just went right out to him like bro can we please take photos and he's like hell yeah get in here and we're just taking photos with him he's the cutest kid ever and then the second time uh all of us here at the podcast saw him at the gucci high waters lund tour which was a fucking banger and i just remember like um going outside the venue uh, with my friend and we were just like kind of looking over by like where the tour buses were and we noticed he was fucking sitting sick crisscross applesauce with his ukulele <laughs> and he was just playing for fans and then of course you know security came by like hey it's fucking after hours there's a fucking curfew in oh, Portland right, so break right. this shit up break this shit up now so unfortunately everyone was like boo <laughs> boo but he seems like a really genuine sincere guy the kind of dude that you just like meet on the street and he's like just friendly and cool uh, Garden is open for Nash and uh, is most famously noted for uh, being an opener on Oliver Francis's tour, which is fucking crazy, which kind of led to him getting signed by Photo Finish Records. Um, this album has a lot of good different moments that, you know, you expect from Garden with good beats, good lyrics, but it kind of just flourishes in a way that's definitely different from Creature 1 and Creature 2. This is a departure from his music in a really fun and interesting way. Uh, the other day, I remember I was just getting like really anxious. I took two months off of everything, like no drugs, no alcohol, no caffeine for two months. And like nowadays, you know, I remember I remember a time where I could drink like a shit ton of pre-workout and Rockstar Energy drink, and I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm fired up. And nowadays, you know, one tall can of Rockstar, and it's like, fuck, I'm anxious as hell. What's <laughs> going on? Like, I'm energized, but I'm like, I'm kind of nervous right now. Anxiety multiplied. And literally, <laughs> at the cost of what? Yeah. Was it really worth it? Yeah, so- like I saw this meme <laughs> once that was like, before coffee, anxiety. After coffee, anxiety, but faster. Oh, anxiety, but yeah. faster. Exactly. You hit the times two multiplier like a slot machine. Yeah. But I was having an anxious day, and like you know, I was going to perform with my band, uh, Swiss Army Wife. Also, shout out to our the March and Mitch Show artist, which is Swiss Army Wife. Check out at Swiss Army Wife on Instagram, and also our boy uh, Demigod Iari. That's Iari on Spotify and Apple Music. And most recently on the show, we had the pleasure of having Jesse Michael Tumalo of Save Bandit. Check out at Save Bandit. Go look, listen to Save Bandit. Make sure it's the one from Oregon. I'm sure the, the Save Bandit from Washington is great too. But we promote our Oregon boys here on the show. Yeah. Uh, tracks like Luminary have a really impressive staccato sample that's really good. Kind of just fires in a way that is kind of consistent throughout the song. Hooks you and makes you want to listen. Uh, Willow Avenue was probably my favorite song. It also has a frequent collaborator uh, from Garden's past career is now reemerging as someone called Sewer Person. Uh, Have we heard of Sewer Person? No, but I know that's my gender. <laughs> <laughs> that was my joke when Alex told us about this. I said he can't just take my gender. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. You know what they say? Great genders think alike. Oh, yeah, sure. 
<laughs> oh my fucking uh, whatever. Sewer person previously was actually Ninetales, who we've seen mm-hmm. perform in a bunch of collabs. Okay. Uh, I like Ninetales. I'm glad he's back. Yeah, Canadian artist Ninetales actually has reemerged as Sewer Person. Yeah. It was on the track Willow Avenue. I actually thought it was really entertaining. He, uh, I had found out that Ninetales retired in like 2018, 2019, uh, due to circumstances revolving around music affecting his mental health. More, more respect to the guy for just wanting to take some time to kind of decompress and just want to live like maybe a normal life. Uh, being an artist is crazy busy. Um, you know, like me playing in a three piece band, it's lots of commitment and more time being in a band is a lot of fucking hard work. A lot of people don't always want to believe that, but it's true. You're putting constant effort into marketing your image, how you sound, how you play. And, uh, for nine to kind of come back on this track, I thought it was a cool little comeback. Um, Garden's music to me is just fucking brilliant. Uh, I just love like tracks like Cuba Lake on this record. It has a really beautiful uh, delayed acoustic guitar. Tracks like The Cycle are just fucking heartbreaking. I kind of like that he chose to kind of break out of uh, the whole like sad rap genre a bit and want to experiment more mm-hmm. and create just different soundscapes. Just kind of do something different that's ambient. It's always got like his signature, you know, vocal lines and mm-hmm. just has great lyrics. I really like that he was just kind of daring to be different a bit. I want to talk to you briefly about uh, this was the last single that got released. It's actually produced by Casper and um, the outro. This is like, you know, some of the final lyrics on the album before the final track output. But in the lyrics, it goes on the outro. Get caught up constantly in life's residuals and paint the sky full of agonizing visuals. Can't press full wind when you realize it's minuscule. So don't let go. It'll only leave you miserable. In my life and times, especially, you know, I can't believe that, you know, next March will be two years of me having a band, my first band and like, you know, what feels like a lifetime. But it'll also be five years of me being an Oregonian. And like I've I've been out. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been out here for almost five years. It'll be five years in February. And I realized to myself, holy shit, I've been out here for five years and I've been a depressed piece of shit the whole time. (laughs) No, just kidding. I've actually had good moments. But, you know, hey, hey, hey. 10,000 hours, man. You're almost there. 10,000? <laughs> hey, Google, how many hours are in here? <laughs> 8,000? No, no, no. 525,600 minutes. See, look so. how smart they are. 525,600 minutes. So, how many? Wait, so how many? 5,000. 525,600 minutes. minutes. How many hours is that? That divided by 60. Okay. Do I look like a calculator? Sorry to, <laughs> sorry to derail you, Alex. I was just saying. Now I need to know how many okay. hours in a year. Well, you can't well, derail this train. Well, this train keeps on going. This train doesn't have any tracks. <laughs> Yeehaw. I'm EPKA, motherfucker. We're basically an old school dune buggy. <laughs> Yeehaw. With one wheel. 8,760. So Alex has actually already surpassed his hours in You're Oregon. You're basically a god. <laughs> You're like an expert at living in Oregon now. I keep on surviving, and it's through the power of music and friendship <laughs> that I keep myself... To what I consider to be a good amount of consent. You know, I live in a comfortable spot. I have a working vehicle. I have some of the best friends on the planet that I could ask for. I have a band I love. I have two of the best co-stars on the planet. And it makes me want to keep pressing on. When I hear Garden's music, a lot of what he talks about and sings about is like willing to be, is just having the willingness. Like maybe it's not always about, you know, being sad sucks, obviously, but it's not always about letting that, that depression like win like there's ways you can cope and like what he talked about in in an interview recently was like talking to his mom and like it fucking broke my heart when you hear like the album end and it's like part of a voicemail from his fucking mom and i'm Mm -hmm. like dude shit 
That's yeah. why I don't leave voicemails anymore. I don't want to be sampled on somebody's sad rap track. <laughs> that's, that's fair. I think that's actually one of Jesse's like quotes on his on his Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong, but yeah. Uh, well, you know what the Buddhists say is that you know all emotions, positive and negative, uh, the only way to survive or the only way to deal with them is to to let them pass through you because emotions are like clouds, you know. Uh, they will block the sun, and that will be sadness. But eventually, the cloud will move on, and sun will be again, and and that's how our emotions. We're supposed that's how we're supposed to handle our emotions because when we hold on to the negative emotions, uh, you know, it's like letting that. There's that saying, you know, are you gonna let uh, 15 minutes of your day ruin the other, you know, 19 hours and 45 minutes? Mm-hmm. Our, our, that's some real that's shit. not math, but yeah. That's not math, no. <laughs> well, in my day, my days don't go 24 hours. Fair so enough. At maximum, I make it <laughs> on, a good, on a good day, 20 hours tops for sure. The four hours is, no. I like where your head's at, and it's a big endorser of another school of thought that was brought to me a few years ago from my friend Michael Rader. Um, negative emotions are temporary. They go away. They go away, you yeah. know. So you just got to have the willingness, the willingness to stick around. You know, maybe you're miserable or having a hard time. But, you know, if you listen to an artist like Garden, I can guarantee you, you'll get something out of his music. Uh, Celine, what are some, like, positive or fun things you've gotten out of Garden's music the last two years? Other than a boner. Mostly, boner Mostly city. a boner. That was definitely boy, the big, big takeaway. <laughs> the big takeaway. Oh. Because my dick is so big. Oh. Um, <laughs> Whoa. I, I mean, you guys know, I, I love Garden, and I... One thing that I really like about him is, like you were saying, he just seems like a, a good, sweet kid. Like, he just seems like a nice person. You guys keep calling him kid. Like, he's that much younger than you. He's just boyishly handsome. He's, he's okay. My, he's boyishly he's handsome. He's our baby boy. He's, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> and I... So I haven't listened to this the new album as much as I as I want to, so I don't have a lot of commentary on it. But one thing that always stands out to me about Garden is uh, there's that one song. I forget which one it's called, but the one where he has that line that's like, I'm never hungry. Only for pussy, pussy and money. money. <laughs> I thought that bar was so funny. But, and it's like the intro of that song. I think I'm thinking of the right one. I might be thinking of a different one, but it's very like stereotypical rap stuff. Like, yeah. here's my money. Here's my Glock. Here's my drugs. Here's my bitch. Flexing. Like, and this yeah, is exactly. Just remember? like super flexing. But then like after that, like I'm never hungry only for pussy and money line. It just like, just like careens back into Garden's usual subject matter of like, mental health struggles and trying to make it in a world where it's so much show and so much flexing. And it just really, you know, even when he tries to do the stereotypical rap kid thing, he just always kind of skirts back over to just being honest Uh, about his emotions and his feelings and what he's really going through and what it actually looks like to be an artist. So it's like he tricks you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Or in, um, which is money, but here are my feelings. Right, exactly, yeah. He's like, nice one, you thought I was talking about pussy, but I'm actually talking about depression now. And that's my cat's name, Pussy. <laughs> actually, his cat's name is Creature. Oh, like Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, call me a Creature. Yeah, Creature's a dickhead, and I bet that's why. His cat's probably a dick. <laughs> and probably a little ugly, too. I love ugly cats. Anyways. But yeah, no, I, I think that he's just a really honest person, even when he's trying to kind of buy into the like the scene. He's still really honest about what that looks like in practice. Well, that's image, right? Yeah, exactly. I think he's really honest about him trying to project that image while also being honest about the fact that that's not an image that's like natural to him. And I think it's really interesting to be able to say, hey, I've got this image. Also, I'm really uncomfortable yeah. with this image. Who Who is who is running the... Um the rap scene, the not rap, the sad boy rap scene right now. So like we know that like big industry, 
um, you know, pop and even rap music now. Word. Guys like Da Baby and stuff. Like these guys are all, you know, puppets of the musical industry. Is the sad rap genre, since it's so deeply rooted in like the SoundCloud fem- like foundations, is there like a puppeteer? Like, is there an industry or like ra- labels that are kind of like manipulating the rap scene? Because it doesn't feel like it so far. It seems like it feels a, pretty organic. Like yeah. a lot of the guys like Peep and stuff. Like they may have get signed, but they're signing to more organic made records. Is Word that, up! I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. So like the truth is, you know, we we had our Peep and our Juice World, and like they kind of like literally just like took the foundation and like power lifted that shit up off the ground. And then like you know, there's always been really just a big rudiment of just uh, cloud rap and stuff. And a lot of it's just DIY. It's super DIY. You know, Goth Boy Click became Dark Dark Medicine, mm-hmm. uh, Acid Castle, which like you know, uh, Garden is a is a part of. You know, you have Young That's the label, yeah, Acid Castle. Uh, no, uh, mm-hmm. uh, no, uh, Photo, Photo Finish Records is okay. his label. And then who are those guys? Do you know where they're out of or fr- where they're from? Uh, Young Van and Hateful and all those artists. I know they're basically just they're super oh, artists made. They're super grassroots. Yeah, it's like a collective. It's like okay. a, it's like a friend group. See, like, for was, example, that's my question. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. So the first time I saw Garden, he was with version three and version three used to be like 93 feet of smoke. Gucci High Waters, Lil Lotus, okay. Smart Death, you know, and all those artists like that was the, the first time I ever saw Garden was with like that whole collective and stuff. And um. Shit was fucking tight, you know what I mean? Like a lot of them, like they have, like some of them have a record label and a management label and like an A and R group, right. kind of fastening their career together, keeping them on track. And then some of them just have like, like a crew, like you're part of this crew and you perform with them and like you know, right. they go on tour together and stuff. Um, okay, so yeah. it's it's that was yeah again that was my question. So like it's not like Nicki Minaj is signed to you know Def Jam Records, even though we did talk about Def Jam Records the other day. Yeah, Stephen Moses yeah, who yeah. signed the Def Jam, but, but yeah. like but again, those are the big companies that are like you know MTV and you know mm-hmm. they're they're driving the music industry in a specific certain way. And so I'm wondering for guys like Garden, who's you know able to like like we said like well he's touching on these things but again it's more like a haha here's my emotions in his songs too which is clearly not mainstream so i was wondering if um if there was any correlation between like the the bitches and money segments in the song <laughs> and, <laughs> and a higher label power right some type of influence pressing influence yeah right? and like you yeah. need to talk about you know how this this car that we gave you in your next song and be like Okay, I got a Benz. I got a Glock on my Rari, you know? Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> like, like, they're getting these free, like, that, that's what it is. I mean, it's marketing, it's advertising. When you hear somebody talking about a car and a, a name brand car in their song, that's because somebody gave them a car and they're like, all right, you need to mention in the next song. So that's why I was just, that was my question. Thank you for answering. No, it's very intelligent. And I'm really sure there is a correlation between that and stuff. I'm sure that happens on a very, very, like, you know, uh, mainstream level, you know, like I'm sure like with like, you know, like your machine gun Kelly's and like your Ian Dior's and your Lord's mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I'm sure that stuff kind of maybe gets, you know, but that's why sad dope in. though, because yeah. like, it's not so, it's not so deep rooted in the, the, the standard, a Hollywood music industry. It's it's more. Well, it's, it's very much the new punk rock. You know, I, I read this article yeah. basically claiming like punk isn't inherently a musical sound. Right. You know, obviously there is punk rock and it's like that is a genre of rock. But the concept of punk isn't about, you know, certain types of guitar riffs or certain melodies or or anything like that. It's about it's an attitude. Exactly. It's about taking the industry and saying, no, I reject this mainstream, mm-hmm. you know, doctored image. So we're in like <clears throat> punk season two. 
<laughs> right. And I, I mean, uh, so Billy Corgan, the lead singer of the Smashing Pumpkins, recently was, uh, was quoted in an article or in an interview where he was saying that Lil Peep is is our generation's Kurt Cobain. Dope. And I think that that's spot oh, on. And yeah, I, I, I think that's exactly right because it's, yeah. you know, no. Kurt Cobain basically said, I, you know, fuck the way that this music in- industry looks. I don't think this is right. I yep. want to make my own sound. And that's what Peep did. Peep said the music industry doesn't work the way that it looks. I want to make my own sound with my friends and oh. p- shift power back into the hands of the mu- the musicians. What wise words you're spitting right now. I had never made the correlation between uh, uh, Cobain and Peep. and Which is funny because he often referred to himself as the new Kurt Cobain. Well. <laughs> Call me Kurt Cobain. I was, you can see my pain. All right. Well, Peep might have had a little bit more... Uh, ego than Cobain. Cobain was, Maybe. Yeah, Co- Cobain was like the shyest dude you've ever met. The man w- used to wear like three or four jackets just so he would look bigger because <laughs> no real talk. I oh saw yeah. Him. He had really bad stomach problems. So he was like real skinny all the time. Yeah. yeah he was super insecure about his size and his, and his height. Oh, and shit. Yeah. Dude, dude had like, dude was like all he wanted to do was be alone with his music and his band. Mm-hmm. And, and that's also a similar fuck gender approach to style between yeah, Cobain Co- and peep. Yep. Anyways, Good topic. Good talk. Literally, Photo Finish Records is also home to a couple other bands I like, like the Mowgli's and Mr. Wives. Mr. Wives fucking shreds. Oh, yeah, I like Mr. Wives. There you go. Mr. Uh, Wives? I guess 303 used to be on Photo Finish Records, like back in the day, which cracks me up because 303 is the ultimate emo night banger. That's (laughs) that's the tell your boyfriend if he says he's got beef. I'm I'm a vegetarian and I'm fucking fucking scared of him. Woohoo. And then she wants to touch me. Woo. She wants to touch me. Woo. <laughs> Garden's music is really important to me. And it also just kind of sits into like a good little spot <laughs> of my consciousness where it's like, you ever feel like there's like some fun time in your childhood or like your adolescent years or like maybe like your peak years, like, and it's always been fun, but like you can like never go back to that. No, I mean, I know what you're talking about, but um, it's like a nostalgia trip, but but in a negative way. So, <laughs> you know? so for those and, and that's a big that's a big mood. You yeah. got to You got to kill that. You got to kill that part of Word. yourself because it's only in your mind. But you got to remember when you were that age, remember the, la- the last thing you wanted to be was that age. You wanted to grow up. You wanted. It's to, fucked up how that works. You so. wanted. To I wanted to be twenty seven so bad yep. when I was a kid. And we all forget about that. We all get to twenty seven and we forget about that. And like, oh, I wish I could just go back to things the way they were. And it's like, listen, I I get that vibe, and that's a total that's a total mood. It's not the truth though, because I remember. I mean, while it was fun being underage, doing illegal things, getting away with murder, uh, you know what? Ha- not being independent is way less fun having to answer to your parents if you have parents you know what i mean like that that well you there's a lot of deceit that has to go along with that if you're gonna be punk or into the grunge or you know what i mean like you can't just be a child that's allowed to be 16 going to punk getting drunk doing those sort of things word like that those are the memories that we have but we were also breaking rules like putting ourselves at risk like all of these dangerous things that like a lot right like now you're allowed to just get drunk and it's not a whole fucking thing. Right, right. So like, yeah, childhood was fun, but I think it, it it's the it's the dissatisfaction of the choices that we make in our own lives that lead to that that nostalgia of I miss being a kid because as a kid you didn't have to make decisions and I think as an adult we have to make decisions and I think that's kind of where the dis, the, the discourse comes because it's hard being an adult and then making responsible decisions and also being happy. 
Word, dude. That's some real fucking hard hitting shit right there. I kind of vibe with your mentality, though. Definitely like having responsibilities, you know, learning and growing up and like kind of getting away from that. Then like, you know, when you do look back on those times, all you wanted was to not be that age. Like that really does kind of hit close to home and stuff for me, especially when I listen to Garden's music. I always kind of feel like those emotions we just talked about. And it really just is like, this is the perfect rainy day at home album. Yeah. Play it before you read a book. Play it before you go out skateboarding. Play it before, you know. Make maybe love. That too. <laughs> play, it, play it while like you're just at home playing your, your favorite video bang. game. I mean, I mean. Uh, <laughs> equip, equip the gangbang goggles, yes. <laughs> play, play it before, you know, you play music. Before we go into our next segment, we'll, we're going to talk about our nostalgia trip with Mitchell. I wanted to ask Celine, uh, uh, three fa- three favorite garden songs and why. And if Ooh. you need help, just just yell at me. <laughs> uh, Creature is my all time favorite garden song. Hey. It just ha- it has so many lines that I just like jive with so hard. Like there's just so many lines in it. I think that my favorite is probably like, uh, like fuck you, big head. Why won't you DM me back? God, please don't hit me with another group please chat. Please don't hit me right? with another Which group chat. Which is the chat. realest fucking move. Like, he's, like, talking about trying to make it in the music industry and how he's, like, trying to reach out to people. He's also like, don't fucking let me get looped into another <laughs> group chat. Um, this reference eludes me. What does it mean? You've never been roped into a group chat and you're just like, Jesus Christ. No. Maybe Why it's business I related. I, I, don't ha- I don't know. Enough. Apparently, I don't associate with enough human beings to, to, <laughs> to be considered to be involved in a group chat. Shit. Me and Mitchell live in a cartoon. I have one group <laughs> chat and that's it. <laughs> uh, I, Actually, two. I take it back. Too. Oh, shit. I, I take pride in my, my recluse lifestyle, so I'm, I'm, I avoid that at all costs. But okay, so... Yeah, two so, more, so two more, two more, Celine. Fulfill us and with your emotions. <laughs> I would probably say "Demons in My Orbit." It's it's hard to fuck around with demons. Such to, a good yeah, song. you can't fuck up by okay. putting on "Demons in My Orbit." And uh, it's it's a tough call. I would say between "Alive" and what's the one with Convolk? Whatever, uh, whatever it whatever takes. It takes. Ah, yeah. Night Tales, Convoke, and Garden with the greatest karaoke hit of all time. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, okay. that one is always just going to have a Can special play pa- place song? in my heart. We could totally fucking I play, play that, that song. song. We could totally fucking play that song. I feel like we should probably play something off the new album. Yeah, maybe new new album content. What? But No, fuck that. No. We, could, uh, we, could, we can fire that song up if, soon. Did, did you have a song that you wanted to play? Yeah, I was actually gonna. Okay, okay. I, right. I was gonna request for the show today. We we in the pre production. Oh shit. Uh, well, okay, uh, we'll play both. We'll play we'll, we'll play one at the halfway, and then we'll actually end tonight with. Uh, with yes, let's one. do whatever it good. takes yeah, yeah. at the end of the show. So your song of the week from your artist of the week. Go check out Garden. He is Garden. This album was released on December thirty first, twenty twenty, and it's called. So that's it, huh? And the song of the week is Will Avenue, featuring Sewer Person and Lil Narnia. Lil Narnia, woo. Okay. Can, All we, right. can we play it? Let's, That's play it. It, huh? Let's play it. You're listening to the March and Mitch show. Wish I wish day. Got nothing done, your values lost to what have you become? The 
again on the March and Mitch show starring Celine Santa's Pond. Thank you so much for joining us in our segment. Please check out Garden on Spotify and Apple Music and listen to his new album. So that's it, huh? Which was released on December 31st on Photo Finish Records. Please listen to Garden. Seriously, he is one of the greatest and one of my most favorite artists recording mm-hmm. music in the last couple years. Mm-hmm. Next on the show, we're going to throw the football over to our very own producer and showrunner, Mitchell Herring, where we talk about our nostalgia trip. So fire up that old 57 Chevelle, hop in with the top down, and we're going down memory lane this week to talk to you about... School of Rock. School of Rock. Yeah. Yeah, it's... uh, You know what's really funny? Uh, This movie specifically was one of the... You know, I always grew up feeling like Jack Black never really was an actor. He just played Jack Black in movies. Right. And, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of actors who do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But growing up, I wasn't a huge fan of Jack Black. I just was like, okay, he's quirky and obnoxious and uh, yada, yada, yada. But you know what? I like... I like this is why I like the nostalgia trip. I like going back in time and rewatching movies without precedented bias like Me too. school of Rock, school of rock was like a, one of those really hyped up movies and i might have even won awards but going i love going back to movies without any principle 
and it was actually really good. I can see why people did like it at the time. Uh, School of Rock is from 2003. It's a musical comedy film directed by Richard uh, Linkler, produced by Scott Rudin, and written by Mike White. The film stars Jack Black, John Cusack, Mike White, Sarah Silverman, uh, filthy, filthy Sarah Silverman. Oh, she is <laughs> filthy. She I is like. uncharacteristically <laughs> uptight in this one. Yeah, and Miranda Cosgrove from iCarly, and originally Drake and Josh. Big fan. Hey! Love Drake and Josh. I loved that show. Yeah. Uh, I had such a crush on Drake. Yeah. Drake <laughs> Jack Black plays a struggling rock guitarist, Dewey Finn, who is kicked out of his band and sub- subsequently disguises himself as a substitute teacher as a prestigious prep school. After witnessing the musical talent of his students, Dewey forms a band. <laughs> uh, he forms a band with fifth graders. Good Lord. Uh, eventually, he gets them to play Battle of the Bands, and that is essentially the plot of the movie. Thank you, Wiki. Uh, School of Rock originally released October 3rd uh, by Paramount, grossing $131 million originally. On a $35 million budget, received positive reviews. Critics loved it. Praised Zach Black's performance and humor. Again, this movie honestly felt like Jack Black wrote it himself. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't imagine anyone else playing this. That did feel like the vibe, yeah. Yeah, this movie literally is... Because Jack Black has always had like a huge love for like rock music. I mean, he even has the band Tenacious, Tenacious D, D right. baby. Late after the success of School of Rock, he went on to do the movie Tenacious D: Pick a Destiny, which is wild. And just, where's the sequel at, Jack? Bring the sequel out. Come on! Didn't they do it? I thought they did a sequel. The Bong of Destiny. I don't. Know. No, I really think I thought they did a sequel, but no. Uh, Tenacious D is is the same equivalent. It, it has more. Jack Black's essence all over it, whereas this movie is more wholesome for the family, I would say. Um, I mean, I remember I first saw it when I was probably about in the fifth grade. Yeah. And my dad thought it was just a delightful film. <laughs> uh, Rambunctious. Yeah. Yeah. Truly fun for the whole family. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it really is interesting. I think the there's not a, a huge, deeper meaning when it comes to the film itself. Like, clearly, it's just somebody... Jack Black's an old dude. He's living in an apartment with his best friend who he's known forever. They even states, I've been mooching off you for years. It was never a problem before she got here. You know, Sarah Silverman's character, (laughs) who's kind of a stick up the ass. And the idea behind the movie is like poor guy is just trying to follow his dreams and is having trouble making it in, you know, modern day America. Like, you know, somebody who wants to follow their passion and in, in a world that's run by connections and people who you know and the money you have and, and it's a pretty, I mean, it's really relatable to in today's world, you know, as you get older, because that is the truth. You know, you can find yourself really struggling to do something and just continually to get roadblocked by, you know, the societal norms, you know. So it was pretty cool to see that. And I mean, regardless that, you know, his ultimate goal was to just win Battle of the Bands. And I, I kind of puts it in perspective. Like, it's not like at the end of the movie, you know, they become this outrageous Led Zeppelin styled band. And they, you know, the, the end of the movie, he literally just ends up opening his own rock school. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so like he, they lose the Battle of the Bands. They lose the Battle of the <laughs> Yeah. The, the crowd, the crowd shouts them on for an encore. They, uh, they bring on 
the second song and they cover ACDC. And uh, I think the most important thing is, is his ability. I think it's really cool what he does as far as it's a prep school. So all these kids, you know, when he first shows up, they're just like, so are we going to learn like math? Are we going to do tests and stuff? And he brings this kind of different perspective as far as what it means to be more free amongst yourself, like education style wise. He brings this, hey, let's just do this thing that, you know, that we're passionate about while manipulating the children to his own benefit. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's a good cop, bad cop, and he is both cops in the sense. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the movie itself has its ups and downs and its moral gray areas. But for the most part, I think that what he brings as himself, his passion, he, he helps each of the kids individually, you know, find that thing that the school that traditionally schools and this schools especially don't really foster, right? Like schools don't foster individuality or creativity. Fo- schools nowadays really are sit down, shut up, follow the the curricula and do as told. And so he shows up and he's like, fuck the man. And he's like, <laughs> the principal's the man. And right now I'm the man. And fun fact, I once got in trouble after seeing that movie because my principal was walking through the lunchroom and I said, Dr. Streffling, you're the man. (laughs) And I told my dad about it. And he's like, that's not funny. That's rude. Uh, Oh, man. Now you're the man. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the movie's got a good vibe to it. If you're into music, like I think you really get it. Like the whole scene of like punk rock and rock and roll, all of its origins were while, you know, originally what would you say stolen stolen from a different i mean all music is stolen from somewhere else but i think rock and roll in the the american history format really depicts a time in life where guys like acdc led zeppelin like we're all making this music based off you know uh semi-popular bands like what what was the original what was some of the original rock bands out there that like give credit to that you know i mean the- i i would argue that most rock and roll is in the lineage of either the beatles or the Eagles. Mm, I'm glad you said that. So the Beatles uh, launched the same the same year as a little little band that you might not have ever heard of called the Moody Blues. Oh, the uh-huh. Moody fucking Blues. Oh the my Moody god. Moody Blues launched their album the same years and got almost nearly none the recognition. And it's clearly the superior album. So I mean, the Beatles was also basically <laughs> One Direction. Like it was a, <laughs> it was the first boy band. Yeah. Literally, exactly. yeah, yeah. It's like it's like Metric says, "Who do you want to be, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones?" And it's like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I meant I meant that the two main lineage holders are the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, not the Eagles. I'm stupid, but yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, Rolling Stones. Yeah, I I stumbled across the Moody Blues a long, long time ago. My mom had a. Uh, these old VHS, no, not VHS, tape cassettes. Oh, I love VHS. Tape? Oh, Ta- the eight tape. track tapes? Eight, eight track tapes? Not eight track, just cassette tapes. Cassette tapes, too. And oh, one of them was Moody Blues, and I had a little recorder that I was using to record, like, you know, uh, you know, just like voice memos, so like this old, like that home alone voice recorder. And so I was listening. I just wanted to hear what was on this tape before I started recording over it. And it was the Moody Blues. And it was such a good album. I couldn't bring myself to record over it. That's cool. Hey, there you fucking go, dude. It's always fun discovering new music at a young age. Yeah. Well, I wasn't even young. This was like, I was like 25. And I. (laughs) (laughs) It's young for some people. (laughs) Yeah. There there you go. Yeah. And so I think that encompasses a lot of what Jack Black's character feels as far as what his association to music is in the movie, because 
I have never come across a band like the Moody Blues at such a random interval. Like, I I have never experienced. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, the whole album is a saga. And I think that's kind of his attachment to these bands like Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and all The Grateful that. Dead. Yeah, The Grateful Dead. All these albums aren't just these produced over, you know, over-calculated, you know, musicians on Hollywood Boulevard like these guys back in the day the reason they got so popular was because they had real love for music and they put these you know one of the main things of the show of the movie at least is like you know one rock show can change can change people's lives right true fucking and and just like we were talking about garden like you guys kind of are are bringing that that statement to life, right? Like just the one garden show you got, or the the several garden shows you've been to. You know, you guys are so, you know, invested in this person because the music is so truthful. So I think this movie does a great job of of showing both sides of that. While it's still a quirky family movie, I think the 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 rock and roll uh, behind the scenes stuff that's kind of overlaid throughout the entire movie does uh, justice to what music does for actual people. Mm-hmm. I especially is- enjoyed the piece where they, you know, on the blackboard, like at school and they're supposed to be learning, you know, school sanctioned things. You know, they actually are learning quite a bit. And my one of my favorite bits that's just kind of glossed over, it's just kind of in the background, but he's got like the whiteboard and it's just or the chalkboard and it's just totally filled up with like an enormous Music family history. tree. Yeah. Of you know, like here's folk rock over here. Who's yeah. here's rock? Here's Psychedelic, punk rock. Yeah, rock. yeah, exactly. Like I it, it, that, it yeah. all branches out, which is how I like to think of music. Like we've talked before about musical lineage and the musical family tree. Yeah, very fucking cool. Musical is very is very like that though, as far as having like a family tree of artists that kind of branch off each other. You know, roses and thorns and petals. Mm-hmm. What I really liked about the movie was towards the end. You know, was really inspiring. Growing up was like they're about to go play that. You know, the fucking battle of the bands mm-hmm. and. There's a young girl who was like too nervous to like speak up in class or yeah. like talk about or talk about like wanting to perform. She's and like, then, I can't sing, Mister Mister Schneebly, Mister Schneebly, Schneebly. Word. And then fuck me no, there was there was there was that young girl who was just like, I want to fucking sing. Like, okay, let me hear you. Then she fucking belts and like hits. Now it's like, holy shit. So just like my my message that I got out of that movie that that movie was just like, just go out there and fucking do it. Like, yeah, maybe like people want to talk shit or maybe you're not like everyone's back, but like seeing like someone want to like stand up for themselves and like want to like participate. Like I want to shout that out to like all the other like unsigned musicians, like people that aren't performing it or just people in their own garages or houses who just want to fucking play music. Like don't be afraid to just go put yourself out there, like put yourself out there and stand up. Well, that was her big concern too. So like the first, the first part is, uh, she's like, I don't want to be a roadie. I want to be a singer. And he's like, well, uh, okay, then sing for me. And then she's like really nervous. And he's like, well, I can't, I can't, let you be a singer if I, if you don't sing for me. And then she sings and fucking crushes it. And then later when they're doing their first, like doing the audition, she's like, I don't think I can sing. And her concern is like, they're going to make fun of me because I'm fat. And, and he does a really good job being like, you're going to be a rock star. You're a rock star. You have what people want. You have mm-hmm. talent. And I love that he doesn't say, no, you're not fat. You're beautiful or something like that. Cause it's like, she is a bigger girl and that's not bad. Oh yeah. Like, and, and then he relates to, he's like, I'm, he's like, I, Hey, look at me. I'm thick too. I like food. Am I going to apologize? Right, she's like, why aren't you on a diet then? And he's like, because I like food, okay? Yeah, because I like food. Is that a crime? No, I like eating. But guess what? When I get up on that stage, I'm a rock star and they worship me. And I thought that, yeah, I think that's a really good shout out, Alex. That that scene mm-hmm. really does say music speaks more 
to people than the things that we're traditionally brought up to to look at. Like first first image images like one of the first things that people see, but it doesn't matter when doing music because it doesn't matter what you look like as long as you're putting your heart and soul into the music. True fucking statement, Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Fucking high five, motherfucker. Hey, that's some good shit. I right also there. believe it. I also Believe love that it. he like he found a role for every single kid in the class. And sure, there were like a couple throwaway roles, like clearly like security, roadies. <laughs> like yeah. clearly that was just okay. I've I've run out of ideas for like how to use your talents. And yeah. some of the you know security, some of the kids were like, hell yeah, I want to be security. I'd have been security. And like <laughs> or like hell yeah, I'll be roadies. Yeah. And then like there's one girl who's like, no, I I want to sing. Yeah. And then in the in the moment when he's assigning the roles, he's I I forget what he told the one gay kid. Oh, the the fashion designer? Yeah, exactly. But he, like, assigned a role to the gay kid. I think it was supposed to be security. Yeah. And he was just like, can I do design? And he was like, hell yeah, you can. And, like, basically, like, the minute any of them was like, no, I think my skills would be better used elsewhere, he was just like, yeah, cool. I'm down for this. (laughs) And I I really like the flexibility of, like, here's your role, but if you feel like you can do something better than this, fuck yeah, like, assign yourself a role. It It was a very good esteem building movie i think yeah i think a lot of it i mean and not to get into the conspiracy world but i mean public school is, is owned by our the curriculum was originally owned and designed by you know the Roth, the the rothschilds whatever the rockefellers so like let's not get into that but there's a reason the curriculum is the reason the curriculum is the way it is and it's not designed to make you feel good it's not designed to make you think for yourself it's designed to have you participate in in group activities and then grade you on it. And that's pretty much all you're going to get out of high school. So uh, I hope in the future we find ourselves in a world where we have more schools that value the things like School of Rock. And, you know, they find people, their places, their passions, and allow them to... Like Elon Musk. Did you guys know about Elon Musk and what he did for his kid? Mm -hmm. He started his own school for his kid. And there's no grades. And there's only about uh, 15 to 20 people enrolled. And... Uh, they literally just encourage your passion. It's like, hey, what are we going to learn? And uh, again, it's Elon Musk, rich man. Right, yeah. I'm, so I'm going to have have a face. But uh, his kids love school and all the people who are going That's to this. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, okay. all the people who That's go to the school cool. love going to school. Like he was talking about he went on vacation and the kids were protesting because they didn't want to go on vacation. They wanted to go back to school. Really? Yeah, they're like, Dad, that's too long. I want to I want to go. I'm going to miss school. They actually like going to school. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's Elon Musk. He's He just became the richest man in the world and is, I mean, like I, I would trust his school system. Anyways. And your wife is Grimes. Yeah. <laughs> Again, he could be an alien trying to get back to his home planet. Who knows? At this point, like the man has done a lot of good. The man has done is criticized for doing a lot of bad. He's kind of his own. He's his own creature. He's his own creature. I think that's fucking awesome. But on the topic of school, yeah, on the topic of school, I think that he may be onto something. And I really hope that there's more of what he's doing incorporated into schools. Like you saw his mission statement, right? I don't know why I'm on this tangent. I can't stop. Keep going. I like ah. it. I like it. <laughs> his mission statement back in like 2008 or something for Tesla was build an energy efficient car. Use the profits to build a cost effective uh, energy efficient car. Use the profits from that car to build an even more cost efficient energy efficient car. Sweet. Are you sure that his mission statement was not actually just to build a fuel-efficient car as cheaply as possible by treating his workers poorly and then pocketing the profits so that he can be the richest man in the world? 
Uh, that's not the mission statement, no. But I mean, you could be right. I think that might be the secret oh. mission statement. I don't know. Again, oh. like, um, well, you know, it, I'm sorry. I'll I'll put my spiciness about this guy away. But I, I hate on Musk. I know you do, and and I think it's probably just because I think he probably asked too much for his workers. I don't know what uh, somebody such a tool. I don't know what people at Tesla make. So. Okay, but do you? Well, first of all, they make. I mean, I, I, my understanding is that the factory workers make a reasonable living wage. Uh-huh. The trade-off is that many, many, many of them have serious like physical disabilities now because the work is so strenuous and there's no amount of right. Hey, why don't you take a day off because you pulled your back out yesterday? Oof. Yes, no, I Oof. and I think we agree on that part. That where he's, like it's like a workers pee in bottles, like Amazon type of situation. Uh, again, I haven't seen that story, but I believe you. I think that also there was that whole weird thing where the the miners were trapped in like fucking <laughs> like Thailand or something, and he like. Some dude rescued the miners before, like, Elon Musk was able to create a whole submarine. And so (laughs) Elon was fucking spicy about it because some other guy got the credit. And so he called him a pedophile for no reason. Oh, man. Ah! Also, the shareholders of Tesla keep begging him to step down because he just keeps tweeting insane stuff that makes their stock prices crash. Oh, which, which makes it- like he's just a ridiculous person. And also the fact that he touts himself as like, oh, I'm a self-made man. And it's like, oh, you mean other than the part where your family owned half of an emerald mine in South Africa and made your wealth by oppressing a bunch of people in, whoa, whoa, whoa. in the process? Hold on, hold on. Yes, 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 yes. All of that is true. But... He did build PayPal, which was like to this day nobody has done like a PayPal like invention. So well, it's it's to me as Donald Trump saying that he started with just a small loan of one million dollars. It takes money to make money, no doubt. I think Elon Musk is our best chance of survival on this planet. That's all I'm saying. It's not the best option. God help us all. It's better. <laughs> it's better than it's better than putting your your heart into politics because God knows that's not going to help. So if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Elon. So while that may not oh, be, Lord. it may not be the best. I still think it's better than the rest, and that's my two cents. <laughs> so school of rock. <laughs> I'm sorry, I hijacked this segment. You did not. I just like I said, I know how you feel about Elon, and I and like I said, I think. It's a free it's a free world. You can you can choose where you want to work and if you don't want to work at Tesla, put in your two weeks. Find a different job. But what character no, did the John yikes. Cusack play again? John, Joan Cusack. <laughs> Joan Cusack, sorry. Joan Cusack. She yeah. was the principal. Yeah. Oh I adore her. I, I love Joan Cusack. I forgot she was in this. And as soon as I saw her on screen, I was so happy. Ooh, I can only think of her as it's the shameless character now and, and how she puts the dildos in the butt. <laughs> yeah. ah! I used to have like irrational hatred towards the old version, which was was, was John Cusack at the time. Because right. growing up, like my mom had such a huge crush on John Cusack. And like my mom, I love my mom. My mom was like my first Valentine, always will be. And I was just like, why do you like John Cusack so much? You should like me. Apologize. <laughs> Apologize for <laughs> So I, I grew up having this irrational hatred for John Cusack. My mom loved John Cusack so much. Like wanted to date John Cusack, be married to John Cusack. Like, oh, why do you like John it's Cusack? It's so funny so imagining much? your mom having such a crush on John Cusack. <laughs> Literally. Fair enough. I also like Mitchell's statement about how like we should like, dude, like they should fucking redo schools. Yeah. Like they should redo schools. Like, like I mean, te- teachers, great human beings, great people who want to like put the time in. Oh, they would. That's the thing. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. they have. If teachers were given a different curriculum, they wouldn't hesitate. Right. To like, teach if teachers it. had the freedom to, to go off yeah, curriculum yeah. or just had a, a more free curriculum, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sure that. But at the, almost every yeah. teacher would be 
God is the curriculum. Saying hallelujah, yeah. God exactly. is the curriculum. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, teacher, the teachers aren't to blame. What it really is is the school system. Because I remember you know, just going to like middle school and high school in Las Vegas, Nevada. And like, by the way, Clark County School District, one of the worst in the nations, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Dude, fucking miserable. Like, I hate to quote that kid that has the famous Vine or YouTube video where he's like, I hate doing packets. All we do is packets. <laughs> and he just leaves class. Yeah. <laughs> but that was what fucking education was like. Okay, guys, here's your new packet. We're going to go over the answers and you're going to be as as a, right? as a 30-year-old adult. <laughs> I cannot tell you what I learned in high school. I know I was taught uh, algebra and algebra two. I can't do algebra, algebra two now. Don't use it. It's not Same. important. I have a calculator for plus, uh, minus, multiplication, division, and maybe that's a technology thing. Again, uh, I can do basic math if I have to. But at the same time, we spent how much time did we spend with our lives in just math class? And when uh, what is it? Less than five, less than one percent of the people who are going to go to college are going to use those skills into their mm-hmm. Dude, you're preaching to the well, Alex Marchewski choir right now. <laughs> and it, it makes me mad because I went through so much of my life hating math and I still dislike math, but I'm so angry about it because finally in high school, my, the you know, the best teacher I think I've ever had just as far as an educational profession, professional was Dr. Cates in mm-hmm. high school and he taught my 11th and 12th grade calculus classes. And I loved calculus. I was really fucking bad at calculus. I was so bad at calculus. But I loved it because he was able to teach it in a way that, you know, it was like, okay, yes, I have to give you these tests. Mm -hmm. That's just a thing I have to do. But he taught it in a way that he really emphasized the beauty of math and just how interesting it was that the numbers work this way. And there would be things where he was like, look, you guys are going to hate this. But this formula actually says that zero equals one. You know, like it would just be crazy things where he was like, you guys are going to fucking hate this shit. But look at how crazy this is. And it made it interesting. And it was the first time I'd ever been like, wow, math isn't just this rote thing that you have to do. You know, like I I remember when I was in grade school, my mom and dad signed me up for Kumon, which I don't know if you guys if you guys have ever heard. I've heard of Kumon, yeah, tutoring service. It's in my experience, it was miserable because it was basically just somebody giving me this like dense packet you know, like seven dense packets that I had to do one whole packet every single day. And it was just addition after addition after addition, multiplication after multiplication after multiplication. And I would just sit for, you know, it was supposed to take 15 minutes. I would sit for like two hours in my room trying to do these yeah, because I was just so stressed out. Nobody could explain it to me in a way that made sense. And then finally year over a decade later, I had this, this teacher who was like, no, actually math can be really interesting and beautiful. And I just so resent that school made it such a rote thing where it's just like, you just have to slog through this. It doesn't matter why. Ah, okay. And I missed out on the beauty of, of that type of education. Well, again, yeah. And I'm, I, there are teachers who are good enough at their job to make that a thing. But again, I think it, I think, uh, I think it skips over the, the traditional fact that like, there's a lot of skills that we could be teaching our kids or children at this time to better their lifestyle and set them up for success. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're teaching them calculus. Like again, you can like calculus at this point in my, like calculus, algebra two, all these things should be like, what's the word? Uh, like they should be electives. Elective. Yeah. They should be electives. Nobody needs, I haven't used algebra two since I was in college. And the only reason I used it because it was a college requit. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing in my life that requires. Right. I've never been like, Oh shit. I, I can't get through this day. If I can't figure out anyway, this derivative, long story yeah. short, we're going, we're going over time. Long story short, like the school, the school system bonk, Elon Musk, uh, uh you know, granted, 
his system seems to be working for his kids or the 20 kids that go to it. I don't know. At the same time, he's not the best person in the world, but I would say I would still vote for him over the politicians that we have. The movie Nostalgia Trip of the Week was great, and the artist of the week was Garden. It was a good time. We love him. We're going to see if he can, uh, if he likes the episode himself. We're going to shout him out. We're going to reach out to him and see if he likes the episode. But that's our time. Anyone have any last two cents? Uh, last two cents. Uh, just really quick. Favorite teacher of all time was Miss Larson uh, in, at Coronado High School at the Clark County School District in Las Vegas. Is the only teacher I'll ever remember. Uh, thank you for encouraging me to do creative writing class after English 1, after uh, 10th grade. Uh, I, you're always going to be my favorite teacher. And thank you. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. My economics teacher's name was Mr. Cash. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. He, he was dope. He Must be the money. He was the teacher who accepted <laughs> me into senior economics when I was a sophomore. God bless his soul. I was the only sophomore of the class. And he's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know. I wanted to take economics. And he's like, you're a sophomore. I'm like, I sure am. And he's like, all right, fuck it. <laughs> he let me take senior economics and it was dope. It counted for like an, uh, it counted for like a, uh, like a credit, like an adult credit. So it helped me be eligible to graduate my junior year. And his name was Mr. Fucking Cash and uh, good times. So That's thanks cash. for listening to the Miss, the March and Mitch show starring Celine. Thank Let's you guys play the so song. much. Your moment is in. This is your outro. We're going to listen to Whatever It Takes by Ninetales, Convoke, and Garden. Listen to the new Garden's new album. So that's it, huh? Everywhere out on all streaming platforms now. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is going to be Whatever It Takes by Garden, Convoke, and Ninetales. Thank you so much for listening to the March and Mitch show starring Celine Sands Pond. Have a great night.
Yes, I break, I'll be there for you I'll do whatever it takes I'll do whatever it takes to be there for you Living like this a mistake Feelings that I cannot shake I'm still there for you I'll do whatever it takes I'll do whatever it takes to be there for you Every move that I make Every promise I break I'll be there for you I'll do whatever it takes I'll do whatever it takes to be there for you Living like this a mistake Feelings that I cannot shake